Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To the insurance company that tried to break my heart, I am stronger than you ever gave me credit for. You thought I'd never leave? Well, today, I let you go. Today, I found GEICO. In just 15 minutes, GEICO has given me the sweet savings on my car insurance that you always promised, but never delivered. It's a brand new day, and the sun shines on my GEICO automobile insurance policy with a thousand golden rays. And never looking back, Nancy in New York. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Grueling Truth, hosted by Coach Mike Goodpaster. I am the moderator, Troy Otradovic, until Coach Goodpaster takes full reins of the studio. Coach, how are you doing tonight? All right. How you doing, Troy? We're just digging out of snow down here. Probably the same thing up there. Yeah, uh, I called it. It's funny. I was talking to Evan, and I'm not going to take up too much time because we've got a great show tonight. But uh, I, I called what we have a little wintry, a winter blast today. And having a winter blast in PA is like a appetizer out in Wisconsin. What we got today is nothing out there, but we got some snow. I had to shovel, had to shovel the sidewalk and brush the snow off the cars. Thing is, Coach, I don't mind the snow. I don't mind the snow at all. It's the frigid temperatures I don't like. And the wind is terrible. I hate the wind. The wind goes right through you. So, you know, but I can't complain. I choose to live here. I have to deal with it. So if I want to complain about it, I should probably just move, right? Nah. Might as well just go. You would have nah. something to complain about anywhere you go, heck. As you get older, it doesn't matter what the weather is. You feel like crap anyway. Oh, now, now you're aging us, aren't you? You're making Yeah, well, old. we're aging. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you said that we have a uh, special caller calling in tonight that is eventually probably going to be your co-host, and I see him in the studio, so I'll let him in. Uh, you can introduce introduce him, Coach. All right. This is Matt Andrew Scavage. Unfortunately, he's a San Francisco 49er fan, which you wouldn't think I would get along with since I'm a Bengals fan, but Matt's very knowledgeable. I think he said he's done some podcasts before with his dad. He used to have a show. Um, actually, I think he's going to eventually be a contributing writer at Sports Rants, hopefully. He wrote a story today, which I retweeted about Roger Craig. Um, you go to at RiverMonster11, you can find that, and everybody had to give it a read. It's a really good story. But I think Matt has agreed to be my co-host on the show eventually here in the next week or two, whenever Troy gets around or gets enough time to show me how to run the studio. So, Matt, how you doing tonight? Oh, real good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Hey, Matt, so, this is Troy. How, how you Troy, doing, good to meet you. Doing real good. Uh, hey, you know, as, as good as a 49er fan can be, talking to a Bengal fan, right? <laughs> well, you but dominate coach, me, so coach, that's all right. <laughs> coach, coach told me you're from Wisconsin. Yes, I am, all my life. I born, I'm born and raised in Green Bay, so what part of Wisconsin <laughs> are you from? 
uh, the lower part, about from around the Milwaukee area. Okay, so you know where Whitewater is because that's where I went to college. I went to yeah, school. Yeah, I, I Whitewater. actually considered going to Whitewater. Uh, so, well, enough of the form, enough of the the, the formalities and the the small talk guys. Uh, great show tonight. We're going to talk top ten quarterbacks. But before I do that, I do want to get a quick opinion. Evan and I talked on the Red Light Sports Ramble tonight about the relevance of the NFL Combine. And so, Coach, I'll let you go first. Mike, then I'll let you follow up with that. Coach, what are your thoughts of the NFL Combine? How relevant is it? You know, we see all these great numbers that go on with El pads, the, the fast 40 times, the bench presses, all these drills, and these guys wow a team, and all of a sudden they, they change their draft sequence, and they just say, wow, this guy had a great Combine. We're going to draft him high, and then he doesn't develop in the NFL. So, Coach, how relevant is the NFL Combine in the year 2015? I think it's relevant more in the player interviews and getting to know a player and the content of the player's character. I mean, to me, I could really care less what your 40 time is. I think Jerry Rice ran a 4.65 at the Combine. He turned out being a pretty good wide receiver. So, uh, overall... I think a lot of people fall in love, especially the Oakland Raiders, with players that are fast or players that can bench press a lot of weight. But it doesn't really show you the technique, and they're guys running around in shorts. And let's face it, in an NFL game, well, at least as of today, you're not running around in shorts. Goodell may change that in the next few years. But <laughs> I think overall it's relevant. I think you just have to take everything you see there with a grain of salt. Sounds good. Mike, what about you, buddy? I feel basically the same way. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the uh, it was Bill Parcells uh, f- fell in love with uh, quarterback, uh, I believe it was Pat White, back in 2010. He got wowed at the combines. And even last year, Johnny Manziel shows up and he's going he's gonna to go in pads. And he's going to wow everybody. Well, anybody can throw 40 yards downfield when you're not getting rushed. And to a wide open receiver who's not covered, but look at how that turned out for Cleveland. I think the combine can actually hurt you if you fall in love with the wrong guy. So I would agree with the coach that player interviews and character is really where it's at, and all this other stuff really does not necessarily translate on the field. Yeah, and I agree with you both. Uh, that's kind of the, the road we went down uh, with this. You know, it, it's a, become a spectacle, uh, of course. Today's world evolves around money and ways to make money, and so the networks have found a way to actually make the combine generate money for, for the networks. So I will say, uh, Coach, you know, I did live in Indianapolis for a little bit. I had a chance uh, to go to the NFL Combine one year. They're giving away uh, tickets uh, for the public to go in, and I got to go see the old linemen. And I'll tell you what, as a fan, it was it was nice to go in and see it, but the relevance to an NFL team, I'm not sure what it has in the year 2015. But just wanted to get you guys clicked out on that. And what I'm going to do tonight, Coach, you've got your future co-host on the line, so I'm not going to barge in too much, but I'm going to hang on the line and maybe throw a comment in or two. But I'm going to let you two guys battle it out and talk about the top ten quarterbacks of all time. So take it away, Coach. All you. Well, I know Matt, as a 49er fan, his number one is Joe Montana. Correct, Matt? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, for the longest time, I believe we were always in total agreement on that. Yeah, we were until recently. And, I mean, we're still pretty – I mean, 
I think Tom Brady, I got Brady at number one now. It's hard to ignore six Super Bowl appearances. Um, I still think they're pretty much equal, though, with the top two. I don't think we're yeah, going to have much agree. debate in the top two until we get to number probably three or four. And I guess I'd just like to clarify that, or you know, my position on that. Um, as much of a Montana fan that I am, as clutch as I think he is, while I'd probably still prefer him, I am not uh, one of these uh, <clears throat> Homer guys that uh, uh, isn't going to be able to acknowledge Tom Brady. I think a very strong argument can be made for Tom Brady, and I will not quibble or quarrel with anyone who says Tom Brady's the best, just because I think you can make a great argument for it. All right, now Matt, I'm from Indiana. If you're going to be my co-host, I, I don't want to have to be looking up words all the time. So this quibble and quarrel, you're going to have to watch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got at number three? Number three, I got John Elway. Oh, we're in total agreement there too. We need to get to somewhere where we don't agree. Um, with Elway, though, I think, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, he lost three Super Bowls. Why don't you have Marino up here? But to me, Dan Marino had had a very similar situation with his teams where he didn't have much of a running game. He had a mediocre defense. He got to the Super Bowl once. Elway did it three times, and Elway beat a team in the 86 and 87 Browns, especially the 86 Browns, I think were a lot better team than what Elway. I mean, they were a lot better team than what Elway's team was. And, I mean, the 98-yard drive in the last four minutes of the AFC Championship game, I think is the greatest drive I've seen in history. So I think when you weigh in overall everything what he did and then the fact that when he got a running back, he wins two Super Bowls, becomes the MVP, beats Brett Favre, which a lot of people say Brett Favre should be there. My biggest reason why Brett Favre's not in my top ten is most of the, most of the memories of Brett Favre's career end with him throwing an interception. And the one time he had a chance to change that perception was Super Bowl 32. He gets the ball back down a touchdown, and he goes four and out with four incomplete passes immediately. What are your thoughts on John Elway? Well, John Elway, to me, did the most with the least. Uh, like you said, uh, and you look at what Elway had around him um, from the start of his career in 83. Of course, he was kind of platooning, platooning with Steve DeBerg. But when he kind of took the rain, took over the reins, um, and you go through the 80s, look at the teams, look at the players that he had, look at the receivers he's throwing to. Ricky Mateel, Vance Johnson, Mark Jackson, Clarence Kay. Uh, these are not household names. Uh, the running backs, Sammy Winder, uh, Bobby Humphrey, the only 1,000-yard rusher in, in the 80s. Um, you know, the defenses were decent, but largely it was John Elway putting – the Broncos on his back, and willing that team to three Super Bowls in four seasons and beating some really quality Browns teams, like you said, especially that 86 team, on the road, in the dog pound, 98 yards, definitely one of the greatest drives I've ever seen as well. Um, yeah, and also yeah, in he, 1980, 1984, if you remember, the Broncos, I believe, were the number one seed. And Elway yep, hurt upset. his thigh. Yeah, Elway hurt his yeah. thigh. Middle of the first quarter, played injured, and they lost, I think, 24-17 to 17 to Pittsburgh. So a case could be made. If he doesn't get hurt, they beat Pittsburgh. Dan Marino never makes it to a Super Bowl. Very possible. And that's the thing about Dan Marino. Um, you know, they they got there the one time, but, you know, there were some – they just were never really able to get 
that kind of swagger back. And Marino in those, in a lot of his big games, just never came up big. Elway came up big in a lot in a lot of those games. Now he didn't do well in the Super Bowl, but they weren't going to beat the '86 Giants. They weren't going to beat the '89 49ers. So I don't, you know, completely think Elway was a choker in the '80s, even though he didn't play well. I just think they're, they're the fact that they got there with those teams was was a, was a pretty amazing feat in of itself. And then when you give them the tools, what does he do in the '90s? He, they go and win two Super Bowls. Yeah, and wins a Super Bowl MVP in his last game he ever played. Exactly. Um, who do you got at number four? Number four, and I think this is where we're going to start to disagree. Yeah, you don't um, like the old I, guys that much, I guess. No, 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 <laughs> it's not that I don't like the old guys. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for the Otto Grams, the Bart Stars, the Sammy Baws, the Norman Brocklins, Bob Waterfields, those type, of, those type of quarterbacks. I just think it's very, very, very hard – uh, once you get, uh, once you get earlier than the 1970s to start comparing those quarterbacks to today, I don't want to discount any of the greatness. I'm just not ready at this point. I don't have it sorted out where I can discuss Otto Graham and those guys in terms of comparing against the modern era. But so I'm going to go with Roger Staubach, one of my all-time favorite quarterbacks, captain comeback. Saw him so many times. Uh, Pulled a victory out of his hat. Guy won two Super Bowls. Darn near pulled off. Could have pulled off. Could have easily pulled off four. Played those. They were the team that played uh, played uh, Pittsburgh very tough in the seventies. Not the Vikings. Yeah, um, my four is Otto Graham. I mean, I don't even have Stallback in my top ten. When I originally sat down, the way I did this, I sat down. I just wrote down off the top of my head what I thought were the ten greatest quarterbacks. And then I went in and compared their stats, compared their accomplishments, championships, and everything. And, I mean, outside of the two Super Bowls, which is a big deal, I don't have him there. And, I mean, when you look at his stats statistically, even playoff record, playoff stats, it didn't compare to the other guys. To me, Roger Stallback is at a point right now that Eli Manning's at. He's won two Super Bowls, and he played really well in one of them. But there's still something missing to get him into the top ten to me. But I, I think Roger Stallback was a great quarterback. My Otto Graham, I know he's an older guy. And the way I quantify when I compare the quarterbacks from 50s, 60s, 70s, is there are two or three guys that I think could play today that played back then. And, in fact, with Otto Graham, he's the only man that every year he played, he played in a championship game at the end of it. He won seven right. titles. He had an overall winning percentage of 81.4, which is a record I don't think will ever be broken. He won 114 games, lost 20. His playoff record was 9-3. and three. Three-time NFL MVP. And when I watch him play on film, I see a guy that if you put him with training today would be able to play today. And I think there's a lot to be said that, you know, he's definitely one of the two greatest quarterbacks probably in the first 30 to 40 years in NFL history. So, I mean, no quantifying it, it, it's kind of like comparing a boxer. If you go back and watch an old film of Jack Johnson, he doesn't look like he's that good. But at the time, he was the best, and he beat everybody. Otto Graham beat everybody. I mean, he was yeah. probably the first, him and Sammy Ball and Johnny Unitas were the first modern-day quarterbacks. When you watch them play, you watch the way the offense played, not exactly the way it is today, but, I mean, let's face it, the 70s and 80s offense wasn't exactly like it is today. 
Agreed. That, that's my take on it. I mean, they're both great quarterbacks, though, so we don't really have a disagreement there because you didn't bring up Brett Favre. All right, number five, who you got? <laughs> I, have number five, I, I got Johnny got Unitas at number five. That's who I have. I have Johnny U at number five. The first, To me, the first big game quarterback, the father of the two-minute offense. Um, in all respect for Otto Graham, um, that 1958 game, I mean, while it wasn't really a great game, so to speak, but the last couple of minutes of that game were amazing. Yeah, it was on national TV for the first time. last couple of minutes were great. Everybody remembers the end of the game. Um, Unitas, to me, was the guy that really revolutionized playing quarterback in the NFL. He won four yeah. NFL titles, four-time league MVP. I think he fits both of our criteria there. Um, who you got at number six? Number six, I've got Steve Young. Steve Young? Oh, we're close. I got Bart Starr, which I don't know. Do you have Bart Starr in your top ten? Bart Starr is not in my top ten, but, again, that's only because he's prior to 1970, and I just haven't quite gotten that sorted out as how I want to how I want to uh, fairly compare those guys. Because you, you look at Bart Starr, um, you know, all respect for everything he accomplished, but I didn't fear – you look at those Packer games – I didn't fear Bart Starr. I feared Lombardi. I feared the machine. Uh, Bart yeah, Starr but the to machine me, without the machine without the proper captain is not going to. It's just like Bill Belichick. Nobody feared him in 1993. No, you know he had Bernie Kosar, Bernie Testaverde. Nobody feared him. So the thing is, this Lombardi was one of the greatest coaches of all time, but without Starr. I mean, if he ends up with you know, Akili Smith, does he end up being one of the greatest coaches of all time? He's <laughs> <laughs> going to turn Akili Smith into something, but no, I agree. I, well, I'm I mean, I'm a Bengals Bart fan. Wasn't a good so quarterback. The Akili Smith thing still bothers me. I'm a Bengals fan. I have a hard time letting things go. You know that. But, I mean, my big thing with Star is, I mean, the first thing I look for in a quarterback is a leader. And I think he was a great well, leader. He's a leader. He is the only quarterback in NFL history that had a passer rating over 100 in every playoff and championship game he played in. He led him to five NFL championships. And if you remember, most of those games were close games, especially the two Cowboys yes. games. I mean, yes. the Ice Bowl, he led the team down the field to win the game. I mean, I think there was a couple pass completions there in 12 minus 12 degree weather that yep. the Cowboys were having a hard time doing. And really, the Cowboys were a better team than them that year, probably. They were. That was the worst of the Lombardi teams, other than maybe '64. Um, and see, uh, no, yeah, all, all respect to all respect to Bart Starr uh, and everything. I, I guess the, one of the reasons why um, maybe I've got him a little lower is because I look at him compared to his peers in in the framework of the way the game was played back then. He really hardly threw the ball. They always had the number one run games. They handed the ball off a lot. Now, yes, he called his own plays. He was the general, you know, uh, the thinking man's quarterback, they called him. The quiet assassin, they called him. Um, but, you know, he really he, they had, like, the number one defense. Uh, I, I, I look at him truly as a system quarterback. Um, that doesn't mean that he wasn't good. It's just he, you never really see him put a team on his back and go make the winning throw. And I, I, all respect to the one-yard sneak, it's just, to me, not quite the same as, like, the catch. Or, well, like, always the one-yard yard drive. Sneak, though. It's the two or three passes in the last couple of minutes of that game to get him into that position. Right, and, and he did. He, 
no question about it. And but I just when I think of Bart Starr, I think of only like maybe three games. You got the sixty the sixty six NFL championship where he threw four touchdowns, the the Ice Bowl, which usually could have been lost, and then uh, Super Bowls one and two. I don't really think of Bart Starr as uh, Captain Comeback or. Um, you know, just going down the field, and it, it was more Jim Taylor. It was more the defense. It was, you know, the whole. It was the whole machine. I just don't think of uh, him individually. When you look at his numbers compared to his peers in the framework of the 1960s, it's just very. It's sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me, you know. So I, I'm still working out kind of where I'm at with uh, comparing them to modern players. But you know, I still think he was a great player. I think he accomplished and a lot of amazing things, just maybe not quite for my top ten. Well, who's your number seven? I've got Ken Stabler. Oh, no, you're kidding me. No, <laughs> no. Now, before you kill me here, I kind of threw this, the, the last, the first six I was good. I didn't really get to ch- explain Steve Young, but. Well, um, yeah, mine's Steve Young, so we can both explain him. And there's really okay. no argument there. We can explain Steve Young, though, if you want. Sure. Um, I mean, the guy had six passing titles, which was, I don't know that we're going to see that again, um, just because of the way the NFL is now. Um, only Jim Harbaugh bro- interrupted that streak in 1995. Otherwise, he might have had seven in a row. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, two-time league MVP, uh, got the Super Bowl, played in the shadow of Joe Montana, probably could have, done more if he had given, been given more of a chance to play. Um, you know, I think he got like between 10 and 15 really good fourth quarter comebacks, including the catch number two versus Green Bay. Um, just uh, to me, a great leader. Uh, one of the he got, could have been a running back. He's so athletic. Could do so many different things. And uh, be able to... Uh, for what he accomplished during those eight seasons, had he not had suffered the concussions, it would have been really interesting to see just how far he could have, just how much more he could have done. Well, I think the interesting thing with Steve Young is, if you remember, he spent his first, what, year or two in the USFL. Yeah. Then he was stuck in the Siberia of the NFL at the time, which was Tampa Bay. And then he had to back up Montana for three or four. So really, he's missing six or seven of these early years, which if he has yeah. those years – he may be a lot higher than number seven. Absolutely. And basically with Tampa Bay, they they essentially told him they didn't really have like a good system or an offense. They basically said, Steve, get out there and make something happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the only that's chance they had with that. But, <laughs> right. So now that brings us to Ken Stabler. Well, now let me get clarify again. Um, I, I, I felt pretty comfortable with my first six. The last four, I just kind of, I just grabbed a handful of names, and I can, my, my standard kind of was, uh, how clutch were you, and did you at some point have to take a team on your back and go win? And I think, and I think of that when I think of Ken Stabler. Um, he's got he, he, how many of those big named games uh, were because he did something great? Goes to the post, um, you Steve know, and he, he actually, yeah, yeah see your hands. Uh, he actually made a really great play in the Immaculate Reception game. I think he ran like a 30-yard run yeah. to go up 7-6. to six. Uh, I just think of winning when I think of the snake. And that doesn't mean I'm not married to him uh, at number 7. 
Well, yeah, I my biggest problem with him is my biggest problem with him is the fact that I believe he threw more career interceptions than touchdowns, even. Yeah, that was you know, and I didn't really, I did not look up his numbers. Yeah, uh, I so think that's, you know, yeah, that's negligence I mean, on my part. And that's I'm, not, of, I'm not uh, that's real not sure on that because I mean, really, when I listed everybody, it was a great quarterback. I mean, he came out somewhere between twenty and thirty for me, and my main reason was this: he won a lot of games like that. But he won one Super Bowl. He had a great team, and he really never could get past. I mean, the Steelers. I mean, he got past them one year, and then when I watched him play, yeah. I just he he was a great leader, and that's what made him a really good quarterback. I just don't see a top ten quarterback as a guy that throws more picks than touchdowns. I know the NFL was different back then. You could jam receivers all the way down the field. The game was more of a deep passing game. But I don't really see sure. him as a top ten quarterback. But we can agree to disagree. No, and like I said, you know, I I'm still working through that. I've got probably about fifteen guys I'm trying to work into those last three or four slots, and I think you can make a case for several. Yeah, of them. my big one that I left out was Kurt Warner. Yeah, I got him uh, like at number eleven or twelve. I I, I really I wish he he could have just won one of those last two those two Super Bowls that he played. I think it'd be a really easy. Top ten. Yeah, but I'll tell you the most impressive thing in NFL history may be taking the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and plus the and the way that he did it, the numbers that he put up. I think he's still. I think he's uh, out of the three highest yards in the Super Bowl. I think he's got two of them. Let's see. I could be wrong eight? on that, but well, we got like six minutes, so we got to pick it up. We're talking too. Okay. Uh, got you got a number eight. I got Dan Marino. I mean, I got Marino right below him. So I mean, there. I got well, we Marino above him because he, he did get well, the one Super Bowl. He got the one Super Bowl against Rex Grossman. Yes. Um, to me, <laughs> number one, I think uh, Peyton Manning's got nine one and duns. I've got him at number ten. I mean, the nine one and duns are a killer to me. I mean, Andy Dalton's got to lose in the first round five more times to equal that, uh, and that's a lot of first round losses. Trust me. Um, I had him in the top five until the last three years. Well, see, my other problem with Manning is this. It's not like people say, well, he didn't have a great defense. He had a good enough defense. He had Edron James. Uh, they were good enough that on multiple occasions he was a one or two seed and lost at home in games that they were favored by a touchdown or more. I mean, I think San Diego got him a couple times. Pittsburgh got him once. Tennessee got him once in 99, even though looking back, Tennessee was a better team. So I wouldn't hold that against him. But, I mean, it's just – it seems like even in college when he was at Tennessee, he never could beat Florida. I mean, it's – and, you know, a year or two after he leaves Tennessee, they win a national championship with T. Martin, who beats Florida. I mean, it may he really, be – He does really make a great bridesmaid. Yeah, he makes a great <laughs> bridesmaid, but never bride. a bride. I mean, the only reason he's in my top ten is he's set so many records – that you can't ignore him. And people may say, well, Brett Favre set a lot of records. But the thing is this, Peyton Manning, outside of some playoff loss records and playoff, I mean, overall regular season records, Brett Favre owns all the bad ones too. Exactly. So, and Peyton Manning lost 2011, and he's a full two years younger, and he's already ahead of him in almost everything. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Dan Marino, to me, was a great regular season quarterback. That's undeniable. But yes. his postseason numbers are not great. People say he had a lack of defense, lack of running. It's similar to Elway, who made it to three Super Bowls in the same situation. He lost home playoff games in 83 
they were a 10-point favorite against Seattle, a Seattle team. It's the yeah. first time they'd ever been in the playoffs and lost. 85, they played New England at home. They lost 31-14. I think he threw three or four picks. 92, yep. they actually had the ninth-ranked defense, the fifth-ranked running game. They play Buffalo, and they're the number one Isn't that like a 29-10 team. game? Yeah, and they got destroyed. He throws three picks again. So, I mean, and a lot of people say he had no running game, but from everything I've heard, I mean, he didn't want a running game. Right. I mean, he wanted to put up – to me, he was a numbers guy, and that was about it. And the other thing about him is how many guys do you see that were former Dolphins that played with him that come out and say what a great guy he was or a great quarterback he was even? I don't really hear that. <laughs> yeah, where, you know, when they talk about Montana, Brady, yeah, I mean, even Manning, these guys talk about him like that. So, I mean, who's left in your top ten we haven't went through yet? I got one left. Well, I got kind of a tie between Troy Aikman and Jim Kelly. Aikman was the better big game quarterback. He uh, ended up beating them head-to-head, but, boy, you know, to me, if Scott Norwood makes that blasted field goal in 1990, Jim Kelly's legacy is so different. So, same with Marv Levy. Well, my problem with that is this, though. The Bills were a lot better, a lot more talented team than the Giants. Marv Levy got outcoached. Yeah, he That's did. That's why they lost the game. I mean, I don't think Jim Kelly, I don't have him near my top 20. I uh, respect your opinion, but I just don't see him there. I mean, there's guys like Kurt Warner that aren't in our top 10 that I think were yeah, far superior. I'm battling out with like seven guys. <laughs> My other one was Terry Bradshaw. I had him at number nine right before Tate Manning, who was 10. Bradshaw, when you look at his record, I think he only had nine 300 yard games in his career. But he's got I think three or four. Yeah, three or four. He didn't throw as many picks, though, and he beat Stabler more than Stabler beat him. And he, That's true, too. I mean, but he won four Super Bowls. He was the MVP in two of them. Super Bowl 14, which is a, was probably the greatest Super Bowl up until that time, which people forget about. I mean, they're down 19-17 going into the fourth quarter, and he played a great fourth quarter, made a couple of huge touchdown passes to win him the game. Same thing, Super Bowl thirteen. they beat a great Cowboy team where he puts up 35 points. He threw a couple picks early, but comes back to throw four touchdown passes. I mean, I think he was a great leader and a great quarterback. I mean, if you watch him, it doesn't look that great, especially in the regular season, but I want a guy this big when it's clutch. Yeah, there's no denying that because he, he, what he did in the Super Bowl, that's the essence of what makes great quarterbacking. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just there's a lot of guys that were great quarterbacks that we didn't put on here. I mean, I know people will be mad about Brett Favre, but my big thing is this. The guys that are playing today, I think there's four or five guys that could replace the guys six through ten or even higher before they're done. Guys like Aaron oh, Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, I can see yep. Aaron Rodgers being number one by the time he's done if he can get Mike McCarthy out as the head coach. <laughs> There's definitely something to be said for that. There's a lot of people yeah. here, and if 2010 goes different, they're running Mike McCarthy out if they don't have a ring at this point. Yeah, but instead they run out the special teams coach and the backup tight end, the third-string tight end, when, I mean, Mike McCarthy's the one that lost in the game. I think a guy like Drew Brees is borderline. If he could get another Super Bowl, which I don't know if he can, as bad as the Saints have messed up their roster and their salary cap. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. And I'll throw another name at you, Joe Flacco. I don't see how you can ignore a guy that has been as successful as he is in the playoffs. I don't like Joe Flacco that much, but 
There's no, well, no denying. You're a 49er fan. Flacco. I don't like Joe Montana that much either. <laughs> we didn't lose because of Joe Flacco. <laughs> I respect well, they what sure, Joe they, Flacco. He did. sure threw a fair amount of touchdown passes, and then he threw like three touchdowns. Yeah, he in did game? play well. He did play well. Okay. I think he had something to do with it. Oh, he did. I respect, and I respect him because what he the Baltimore's road record in the playoffs. That's amazing. And Joe Flacco isn't throwing picks on the road. They're winning. They're winning football games on the road. They always give Tom Brady and and, and the Patriots a hard time. Not a yeah, lot. I just remembered to something too. We forgot about something. What's that? I think Troy fell asleep in here on us. <laughs> you think Troy disappeared? I don't hear him. No, I did not, I did not disappear. I had my phone on mute. I was listening to the show. I'm enjoying the show. I got it on now. Studio. I think we're you at archive time. And now. hey, Troy, Troy, when we go to archive time, doesn't the guy that called in have to sing? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the way we do it. Yeah. Anybody you, you usually sing a duet with the guy that calls time. in, right? Yeah, you can't break news on this. This is blog talk radio. Nothing's going to break. So you know, whatever high note you need to hit, go ahead and hit it. Well, what's your what's your opinion on the top? What, what's your opinion on your top ten, Troy? I, I, I like it. You guys threw a lot of good names out there, and Coach, I'm with you. You know, everybody says Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Um, I am a diehard Green Bay Packer fan, uh, and I'll tell you what, Brett Favre cost us three more Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I still think when people tell me Brett Favre, I still think of the overtime interception. That he, or, yeah, the overtime interception that he threw against the Giants. He should have checked that ball down and shouldn't have tried to force it to Donald Driver. If he does it, they can go down and they can score. They can go. I think back to the Philadelphia game when he heaved up this stupid throw in his own territory. Uh, and oh. I know the defense gave up the big fourth down play, but what the hell is Brett Favre doing just throwing the ball up like we're playing uh, 50-50 in the backyard? We're playing 500, and who's going to catch this ball? Throw it as high as we can so you can catch it. Stupid throws like that, especially in the playoffs, really sit bad with me when I come to putting Brett Favre in as a top quarterback. Longevity, records, you know what? You guys had talked about it. I throw it out the window. I look at top quarterbacks. Who are the guys that you can count on to win games? And Brett Favre is a guy that, yes, won a lot of games. But how many games did he cost the Packers? I mean, that's what I look at because as a Packer fan, I have nothing but respect for Brett Favre. He brought a Lombardi Trophy back to Green Bay, got us back on the winning way, but you get greedy. And had he just been, and I'll, I'll say it this way, had Brett Favre just been a little bit better than average quarterback in the playoffs instead of a gunslinger, we may have went to three more Super Bowls. That's the way well, I, I can give you. Now, you live and die with Brett Favre. You live, well, you live I, I can give you this, though. But, and I think Matt can speak yeah, to this as a 49er fan. The Super Bowl they won, I mean, without the 40, didn't the 49ers lose their starting quarterback before that game? Yeah, we lost. Steve Young had shattered ribs. And going back to that Monday Night Football game in 96 where Don Beebe got the, the gift uh, touchdown, their only touchdown of the day, that cost us home field advantage. Had to play in the wild card game. Steve Young shatters his ribs. Now you get to play Elvis Gerbach and Desmond Howard. He completely ruined Desmond Howard all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I mean the thing is know, this: he may yeah. have no Super Bowl wins. 
if Steve Young doesn't the get Patriots hurt. The Patriots still almost beat him. Yeah, I mean, Desmond Howard yeah. was the Denver star of that game. What happens if Denver doesn't get upset by Jacksonville? We all know what happened when Denver played. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, the 96 team is a lot better, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, you guys make great points, and, you know, I'm, I'm there with you. There's, you know, people will talk about, well, Brett Favre, then they think immediately of the record. They don't think of the gunslinging mentality. Again, as a Packers fan, I respect that because it did win us some games. But, you know, when you're just a guy like me doing the, the network and you look at the, the overall picture and you take the fan part of it away when you, you break down him as a quarterback, the interception number sticks out to me. He's the NFL leader in career interceptions because yep. he takes fumbles. chances. Now, those chances, the chances did, you know, sometimes they worked out. Sometimes they didn't. So that's my thought, and that's coming from a Packer fan. Um, Coach, I, and you guys have talked about Bart Starr. Um, I agree with that, that Bart Starr deserves to be recognized as one of those quarterbacks. Now, could Bart Starr play in today's game? Part of me says yes because of the West Coast offenses that are, that are run, though, because Bart Starr was an accurate quarterback. He doesn't have the arm strength, in my opinion. But the accuracy was there. And you look at some of these quarterbacks today with the West Coast offense and the check down plays and the intelligence needed, I think Bart Starr was a very intelligent quarterback. Coach, you made the point about running the ship. And that's what Bart Starr did. He ran the ship and he didn't make mistakes. Because if he made a mistake, he was probably going to get his ass ringed when he went over to the sideline. He was probably scared of making a mistake. But he was a very good quarterback for his time, and I agree yes, that he was. you know when it comes down to it, he really understood the game, and he was a student of the game. Now he couldn't coach with a diddly when he took over the Packers, but quarterback-wise, Bart Starr knew how to play the game. But I like you guys the the way that you're talking. Um, you know the the Jim the Jim Kelly. Uh, Troy Aikman at the bottom of the list. I mean, you look at those guys, and uh, I, I look at Aikman as, as a guy that you know, had a lot of talent around him, but it, it's kind of like the Bart Starr mentality. He was a guy that was called on not to make mistakes, and he led the right. team, and when he had to make a throw, he made a throw. And, and that's the things that I look at when you rank a top-10 quarterback. What? I like you to put think the, guy, the ball in the guy's hand. Oh, go ahead. I think the thing that hurts Aikman right. is is the fact that his teams were so good that he didn't yeah. have too many opportunities to make a comeback. When did Troy exactly. Aikman ever have to put the Cowboys on his back and go win a game? Yeah, but I mean, That's the thing. really. They were so good. Yeah, and the thing is this. The teams they played in the Super Bowl were not the best teams in the world. I mean, if, I mean San Francisco, if you look at it, if the Bengals don't put up a game twice, and they get blown out twice, and Joe Montana's sitting there with four blowout wins in the Super Bowl, is he still considered as great as he would have been? I mean, would he still be considered great without the 92-yard drive in the Super Bowl? Exactly. They would just say, well, he was just on a great team and didn't play anybody. But it really was those Bengal games that made Joe Montana's legacy a lot more rock solid. To me, I know we've talked about this before, but Troy Aikman – was the most perfect quarterback I've ever seen. His footwork was immaculate. so accurate. His release was immaculate. So, I mean, the thing that holds him back is the fact that, 
He played on, I know you won't like this because of the 84 Niners, Matt, but the 92 Cowboys were the best team I think I've ever seen. They were complete. Well, I always thought that 93 in. team was better. Uh, well, 92 or 93, either one of those teams. But, I mean, defensively, they were great. Offensively, their offensive line may have been the best ever played together. They had, yeah, I mean, that's true. They had one of the greatest fullbacks, so one of the greatest running backs, one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the greatest wide receivers. Plus, you throw in guys like Alvin Harper, Jay Novacek at tight end. I mean, they were they were loaded. I mean, the only team really that I've seen that compares to their team is the '84 49ers. I I agree. Those may have been two of the most absolutely complete rosters in the history of the NFL. Maybe the '78 Steelers too. Yeah. That sounds great, guys. You did, you did wonderful. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So, Coach, I'm going to tell you what. We're going to get together this weekend. I'm going to share that around the studio. You two. You said that the last two weeks. You said that the last two weeks. That's like when my wife wants me to fix the bathroom and I tell her I'll do it this weekend. Never gets done. It'll get done, Coach. It'll get done. I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. You know, but, you know, the, the I, I had a hard time getting off the couch. Because that's all I do. I sit on the couch and do nothing all day. And I, I, I didn't feel like getting up and going over to the table and getting the phone to call you. Is that an okay excuse? Cause I, you, I guess. Knows. I mean, I, I got a cordless phone that sits right on my chair with me, but that's all right. Well, you got to remember, I'm from Wisconsin. I, I don't do things easy way. You know, I, I, I don't get all caught up in that technology, you know. so. Well, your biggest yeah, problem you know, is I, I not no, go ahead. Your biggest problem in the Elizabeth, Wisconsin, is that you moved to Pittsburgh. I was going to say, didn't I call a New York number? Yeah, that's the Block Talk Radio studio. And so oh, gotcha. The studio number is open. Yeah, that's the studio. So, yeah, you know, Coach, you know, all the listeners know that I have all the time in the world, and I'm just lazy. You know, that, that's hey, it. I, just, I, I, got, I just got a hate message on Facebook, too, because of my article. Which one? I, 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 well, I the the top ten quarterbacks in history. Guess who is a fan of a certain player that didn't like my list? <laughs> oh God! Brett love Brett Favre. Just it was Brett Favre. I, I get this message from a guy, and he put Favre not into top ten. Makes this list immediately invalid. Come on, sir. <laughs> Well, it's hilarious because I'll tell you, living in Wisconsin and hearing how Packer fans constantly make fun of Bear fans, and, you know, I can understand that, um, and Jay Cutler and all that stuff. If Jay Cutler had, I believe, Brett Favre from the year, from since the 1997 NFC Championship game all the way through the 2009 NFC Championship with the Vikings, with his 22 interceptions and his 4-8 and eight record, if that had been Jay Cutler... It crucify him. But because I don't know, I think if Jay Cutler won four playoff games, they might build a statue to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. But this is a bad thing. This he he posted this like right when this show was starting, and I put call this number and we can discuss, we can debate it on the radio. Call in now, and he's never called. Well, what I find is. uh, Oh, go ahead. He's got all the bad records too. If you if you ask a. I find that if you find it, now some Packer fans are like uh, like you, Troy, you know, they're able to look at it and analyze it for what it is. 
So a lot of them just can't deal with the fact that, you know, if you ask them why does he have the interception record, they say, well, it's because he played so long. And I say, well, okay, now apply that logic to his good records. So that's why he's got the good records, the streak. He guy played at a, at a, at a yeah. high level for a very long time. He was a good quarterback for a very long time. He was not. A, he was very rarely a great quarterback. He had it in him. Yeah, I, I, I it's agree. It's the playoff defeats that just do it for me. Well, that's, and well, that's and, and, and me and this, just ask. This is the thing. You ask any Brett Favre fan, tell me his greatest moment, and they always tell me the same thing. When he threw all those touchdown passes against the Raiders after his dad died, that was oh, in please. the one he threw in the triple coverage. It was the regular season game against the Oakland Raiders, who haven't been good exactly. since 2002. I mean, come on, and it's a regular season game. You ask me Joe Montana's best game, I bring up Super Bowl 23 with the drive or Super Bowl 24. Exactly. You know, most of these guys, if you bring up one of these and say, what's their best game, they don't give you a regular season game. You know, with Peyton right. Manning and Brett Favre, regular season games and regular season records are what they bring up. And I'm sorry, but the difference between great and very good is the ability to win a championship. If you, uh, how did Vince Lombardi put it? Um, if you had, uh, if you had to win, well, it wasn't Vince Lombardi, but if you if you if you got to put all your money on and your life on the line to to go to go win a football game, you're not putting Brett Favre in there. You're putting Montana or Brady in there. Yeah, and you're not putting Peyton Manning in there. No. Or Achilles Smith. I hate to cut you off, guys. I hate to cut you off, but the studio lady is going to say 45 minutes. That's all you guys get, 30 live, 15 archives. So it's just about over. She's going to hang up on us, and I didn't want you guys to go, hey, what happened? But, hey, Coach, uh, definitely get together. Mark, look forward to having you. Hope to host the show with uh, Coach Goodpaster. So for those fans listening in in the archive time, make sure you join in every Wednesday night, 1130 Eastern. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.